Velma, here's the only thing you'll ever need to know about boys. They are stupid. If you give a boy two choices, a smart one and a stupid one, he will always make the stupid one. Every time. That's why you never give them a choice. That's depressing. Yes, it is. But what can you do? Boys look really cute in ascots. A big hello to all you mystery solvers out there, and welcome to Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. You know my guest this week from TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. You know her. You love her. It's Lizzie Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lizzie, you're here today to discuss an episode of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. This is Season 1, Episode 12, The Secret Serum. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, well, I mean, welcome. Welcome to Heavy Metal. This is it. We're doing it. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm, I'm very excited to have you as well. Um, so, just to start out, one of the things I like to ask my guests um, is... What is your relationship with uh, everybody's best pal, Scooby-Doo? Oh my gosh. I am kind of like the original Scooby-Doo stan. Except for yourself, of course. Because I know that you're like a diehard uh, Scooby-Dooer. My my personal like iteration of Scooby-Doo was What's New Scooby-Doo. Of course, Um, yes. That was like my jam. Um... I think Scooby-Doo is like the first television show and the first like franchise and set of characters that I really was so, so committed to. Like it's burned in my brain as being like a a foundational piece of media in my life. I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, it, I I cannot really remember a time that I did not know what Scooby-Doo was and was not, you know, like, very much into it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what's new Scooby Doo? That's a that's a, an interesting um, point. So, like, I I guess I didn't ask you if you had seen uh, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated before the show we're discussing today. Um, you would have been uh, probably just out of the audience i don't think uh let me see i think so so i'm actually looking at my netflix history i watched one episode and i didn't even finish it so i don't know when that was but i'm i this is i'm very new to the the history incorporated version yeah perfect um that's great because usually whenever i do this show i i give it i give full reign to the um to the guest to pick whatever it is that they want to discuss from any era of Scooby-Doo. But this, but whenever I asked you on the show, I, I pretty much led you in this direction. <laughs> um, and, I appreciate it, though. Yeah, that, well, I did it because intentionally I was like, 
I really think that Lizzie would like this show. I think it's got like all of her uh, interests in one place, and I wanted just wanted you to be forced to at least watch one episode and see what she thought of it. <laughs> um, I well, the episode. The, well, you gave me a couple options, but the one that I ultimately chose, I really enjoyed. Perfect. I'm, I'm very very happy to hear that. I mean, this is this one's basically the peak. I mean, it doesn't like it doesn't really get better than Mystery Incorporated. Uh, everybody i mean just everybody loves the show um it is the first time that they attempted to you know make the characters characters really <laughs> and yeah. and have something going on in the episode beyond just like you know they show up to a new spooky place and solve a mystery or whatever they they really yeah. get to flesh this out i would say um i, I did like i'm, I'm not going to dive too much into it because i know you have questions and the whole structure but I really liked that it had a bit of a serial element to it and wasn't just like an episodic you know like mystery of the week yeah that, that yeah. really intrigued me the whole um yeah so that's like the the hook of this show is that um there is an overarching mystery as well as a monster of the week every episode to make it closer to like a um like a like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer or uh, yeah. like a Supernatural or something like that, um, and this is the only time they've ever done that. I think it works really well. Um, this is earlier on in the show, so they weren't digging too much into the uh, into the the greater mystery at hand, but you know, just giving you a little little tease that there's something else going on. Um, and yeah, I mean, it it really. It it goes to places uh, by the end of season two that are just absurd that I, that nobody ever would have predicted for uh, a, an adaptation of Scooby Doo at all. <laughs> like it just it is yeah. This adaptation um, was just two seasons, right? Yeah, yeah. It's two seasons, and it, it's one of those things where they knew the exact amount of episodes that they were given to begin with, so they. Yeah weren't rushing or 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 dragging or anything like that so they like they know this is the story we want to tell and this is the time we have to tell it so this is how we're going to make that work right um mm. which works much better in their favor than something like um like like famously like lost or whatever became such a hit <laughs> that it dragged that they were renewed for so many seasons they that they had to just start making things up on the fly right um right. But this does not have that problem, thankfully. Um, I think it escalates in a very uh, normal and, and good manner, in my opinion. Um, did you have any other cartoons when you were a kid that uh, like, were your pet show? That's a great question. I Don't tell me I said this, but I really wasn't a huge cartoon person as yeah. a child i like i i couldn't tell you why um i, I mean scooby-doo was, was kind of it for me i would sometimes watch like spongebob when it was on i did not like spongebob i still don't like spongebob uh and i was oh i was a big impossible person i loved kim possible that's a good I mean, one really, really like scooby-doo and kim possible yeah i mean Spongebob just is, uh, it's, un it's unfortunate that that is the cartoon that our generation has, has uh, 
deemed our show because I I just don't like that that thing at all really. <laughs> um, I don't like it either. I just like I, the reason I mention it is because it it was just sort of like the only option I feel like. Yeah. Now like it's some like you just kind of got shackled with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially because like by the time we were teenagers and wouldn't have been watching you know cartoons by that point. By that point, every mm-hmm. every joke in the first like five episodes. Of, spongebob had become a meme so it was escapable yeah. <laughs> so it just yeah. is yeah it's it's ubiquitous ubiquitous and will be around probably forever which is oh my gosh I know. Uh, yeah unfortunate because i don't think it is a very well written show <laughs> it's really say. not <laughs> <laughs> there are, are a few episodes that i like um that i've been forced to watch but otherwise i just don't like anything that the, the the entire structure and and humor comes from the fact that the main characters are idiots you know it just is uh, becomes obnoxious after a certain point are you are you someone who likes slapstick comedy or not uh if it's good okay. <laughs> it's it's often very hard to do you know it's it's a it, yeah. it, it is a it's an art form all on its own you know it's it all comes down to the the timing and the uh and whether or not you're expecting the joke and that sort of thing um but um that becomes hard whenever you're making 22 episodes of a cartoon <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah i agree i feel like spongebob i mean obviously there isn't a ton of slapstick comedy in the traditional sense but i feel like it's just sort of that vein of like what is the cheapest, easiest way we can get a laugh? Like for yeah. jokes and like he slaps a comedy situation. Yeah, I oh, think we're not it... going to talk about SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> Thank God I uh, am not hosting a SpongeBob podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about the Secret Serum, which is the twelfth episode of Scooby Doo Mission Incorporated. This aired in uh, twenty ten. Yes. Uh, midway through 2010 um so yeah i think we might as well get into this into this episode what do you say Mm, let's do it it starts out with a very fun cold open at this uh charity auction um which is proving to be not uh very successful because they've only made 35 (laughs) dollars i love that yeah uh it's being put on by uh Daphne's mother, who is a central character in this episode, um, that's something that they they do a lot of in this show is where they actually uh, give the, the the mystery gang parents that have like screen time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which makes them. I, I I really they really put the work in in this show to actually make them feel like teenagers as opposed to um, anything else where it feels like why are these you know. Why are they being called meddling kids when these people are clearly like twenty five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so her her mom is being uh, is putting this on, and she's not very good at it. Uh, she doesn't seem to be very uh, into the uh, in tune with the the world of people who are not super rich. <laughs> but uh, the you know. It seems like a fun auction. You know, we've got roller derby tickets going out, which are, mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't bet on that? But then they bring out this spooky painting. Mm-hmm. 
And as, and I would ask you, and nobody bids on this. And uh, I would ask you. Yeah, I was going to say I'd ask you if you if you would bid on it, but I know already know the answer to that. Absolutely, I would. It's fun. It looks it looks fun. You know. I it looks fantastic. I would love to have a spooky paint or a spooky painting like that in my home. I would actually pay like a considerable amount of money for that. But these uh these these people at the auction they're they're just not into it but um yeah. you, know, who, you know who is into it a vampire, vampire. yes oh. yeah a, a lady vampire who can fly yes very cool feminism but, this is feminism in action right here that's exactly right yes yes um not the first female vampire that has been on the show at this point but it is the first one that can fly, so you got that going for it. That's pretty oh. cool. At least I think I think so. There's one that turns into a bat, but that's kind of cheating. Yeah, come on. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the vampire steals the painting, and like, I mean, we're off to the races, right? This is great. It's a great setup. Yes, I love that we didn't waste any time on exposition with this. It was just immediately like, here's this piece of art. Here's a flying vampire this is a situation like we need to deal with this yeah yeah uh what do you think of the mystery incorporated theme song i you know i i love that you asked this question because i i have again have to bring up the uh what's new scooby-doo like that was sort of my like when when you think of scooby-doo theme songs that's what i think about um I wouldn't say I liked the the scene the theme song itself as much as the opening credits. Yeah, I really yeah. I really loved that that whole montage. Like I I wasn't expecting it, but I was kind of immediately on board with it. I, I loved I was not expecting to like the art style and, and the opening credits as much as I did. Yeah, I mean you're right. The song is you know you, I guess you can take it or leave it. It's just like you know I mean, yeah. it's it's not bad, but it's it's just some instrumental. Uh, like groovy music but uh i one thing that is notable i think about the theme song as as you say it's this montage where it introduces each character and they get their own you know like vanity splash screen and uh mm-hmm. and i think that is indicative of this show where it is saying right from the beginning all five characters are equally important mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's no longer the show where Shaggy and Scooby get into antics and then there are three boring characters that, that are just there to advance <laughs> the plot. Yeah. <laughs> right? um, which, you know, what's it is Scooby-Doo lays the groundwork for that, but this show definitely uh, is uh, is as interested in, in, you know, Fred and Daphne as it is in, in Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, which I think is, mm-hmm. like, just what makes this one the best. You know, it just is... And it's very special that way. Um, what? So we come back from the uh, the the theme song, and uh, it's a pool day. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is already uh, just they. It just looks so fun them hanging out and everything. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like that? Fred wears an ascot shirtless. I loved it. I absolutely adored it. I have to be honest, like, I I think for the longest time, Fred was my least favorite character because he was just yeah. so dry. Yeah. And I course. think immediately off the bat, it was like just the ascot by the pool. Like, it, it 
<laughs> really established for me that like they were gonna play with Fred being kind of like stupid, but also yes. like the leader of this gang, and I loved it. It truly is. I mean, he's great. He's great, but like, it can't be exaggerated the degree to which Fred simply did not exist before this show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, it is. I mean, if you decide to to watch more of this show, uh, it is insane because Fred is actually, I would argue, the star of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which seems impossible. (laughs) You know, like if you had told anybody that, they'd be like, nobody will watch it. But um, yeah, yeah, they really, they they give so, they breathe so much life into into Fred, um, really playing with him being uh, like, galactic levels of himbo in the show yes (laughs) yes exactly and uh and he's just he's upset he's obsessed with traps which is a uh a a ongoing uh runner in the show is that he's dating you know daphne this 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 gorgeous girl who's obsessed with him but he simply can't give her the time of day because he's just so obsessed with thinking about what his next trap is going to be Mm -hmm. um so that's that's kind of what has been the track that has been laid up to this the point in this in the series right now and then also at the start of scooby-doo mystery incorporated uh shaggy and velma are dating in secret and um okay and that causes rifts because it doesn't seem that they are a very compatible match um they have different interests and ultimately, they they broken up. I think the episode or two before this one, they break up because uh, Shaggy has uh, refused to to stop spending time with Scooby Doo to hang out with his girlfriend Velma. Oh. Uh, and Velma's like insecurities really uh, are um, played up and are a major part of her character in this show um, mm. to a degree that I think works really well. And uh, but it did put a lot of people off. Uh, a lot of people had complaints that um, when this show first came out, that it was too relationship focused. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think those people are fools and are incorrect. <laughs> personally. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give you just one more tease. Cause if there's one thing that I think will um, interest you in watching more of this show uh, by season two of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, it is a, uh, it is stated in every way, but like explicitly spoken that Velma uh, is queer, and that is why she no longer she uh, struggled to connect with Shaggy. Um, okay, I'm glad you've contextualized this for me because this was one of my big takeaways from this episode. As I was, I was confused. I, I kind of thought we'd abandoned the whole Shaggy Velma relationship attempt and also like i i had thought at this point that velma was canonically queer but i this is, this is they, good they, 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 yeah they're not quite there yet but it does get there okay. yeah she i mean it's just like it's like a real teenager in high school figuring things out you know she's got to go yeah. through the uh the uh the bumps in the road and i think um that this is an important part of her character's journey you know mm-hmm. and i think that it could be said that um that 
it, it's not as much a part of the text, but I think you could easily uh, apply a reading to the show that um, Shaggy is asexual because he simply like does not have any interest in uh, in romantic uh, pursuits. It seems um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, already lots more depth than your typical <laughs> episode of yeah. any other <laughs> series of Scooby Doo. Um, what what did you think of the uh, exchange when uh, Velma comes out to the, the, the pool? Okay, well, I, my opinion has now changed given this context because I, I watched this kind of isolated episode. Um, and so initially I was like, oh, really? Like, we're really doing this? Like, we're doing the insecure teenager is lusting after this boy who doesn't give a shit about her and blah, blah, blah. My mistake for not doing the background research. Um, but now, oh, no, now I'm, I'm feeling like there there's a lot more to this dynamic. It's, it's I, a, I did, yeah. I mean, I it's, it, it was very funny. I, I did enjoy that. Um, but it, I, I now have to kind of reconsider this entire episode, given this information that you've given me. Well, I mean, I mean, look, we at, at this point, as the show was airing, we did not know the, uh, the, the, um, the direction they were going with the character, you know, like they hadn't quite, uh, like that all comes in to be clearer as the show progresses. Right. So I think that is a totally mm-hmm. fair reading of this, of, of what's going on, because that's what most people would have seen as it was coming out. Um, I do think that there are, uh, do think that the jokes are funny, you know, her, her, mm-hmm. Coming out in the full turtleneck and and and, yeah. and, saying she's, <laughs> and saying she's got a bikini on underneath it, I think it's fun. Uh, and 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 clueless Freddie making uh, accidentally insulting her about her milky white skin. <laughs> that was hilarious. I actually uh, saw a clip of that on like TikTok or Twitter. I think uh, maybe like a week or two before I saw this episode, um, and it was funny just in that like isolated pretty. De- second to like 60 second clip but it was i just really enjoyed fred being so completely oblivious yeah. to the fact that he was insulting her yeah yeah uh, yeah and he's just uh, he's so funny he makes me laugh so much <laughs> um uh but um they can't hang out at the pool all day because mm-hmm. uh daphne's mother comes home and has revealed that Things didn't go so well at the charity auction because a lady vampire stole the painting, uh, which means, uh-huh. gang, we've got uh-huh. a mystery on our hands. And uh, sure do. Again, I, I, I'm going to stop harping on just how how much I, I love <laughs> that the show decides to add dimension to every area where there wasn't before. But like, we see them leave to go to the uh, the. The, to solve the mystery, and they're not really interested, you know. It's, it's just Fred who is who is trying to uh, to encourage the gang to go uh, mystery solving with him. Um, but you know, there there are problems brewing. You know, there's a rift between the the friends here, and um, mm-hmm. which is what happens when you have a, a group of friends and uh, and two of which start dating, and then two of which break up. It becomes pretty awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide to split up before they even get to the uh, uh, location, and it's it's the girls are going one way and the boys are going another. Mm-hmm. 
I absolutely love that. I, I just love that they played with that dynamic. And I don't know if they do that in any of the previous episodes or if this is the first time in this adaptation of Scooby-Doo, but I just like, I just love the pure comedy that like they have within the scenes itself. Like even if you didn't have context for Scooby-Doo previously, um, but just like as someone who grew up with Scooby-Doo, I just like, I, it felt wrong, but it was also like so comical for me. Like even just that little bit of silence where like Fred and Scooby and Shaggy run the yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. The, like, what, the, scene of the, the scene of the boys in the car is really fun because it's clear that I they um, that they don't spend a lot of time hanging out alone together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and just Shaggy and Scooby taking the opportunity to be annoying because they get to sit in the front seat and everything. Just it, It's funny. It's a funny bit. Um, Velma and Daphne are... Uh, decide instead of investigating they're going to get pedicures and uh complain about the men in their lives uh, which you mm-hmm. know go off right <laughs> i appreciated that like i felt like it wasn't done in a way that would irritate people yes right? like, i it agree was, it was funny it wasn't like oh we're girls like we're gonna go get pedicures done it was more like oh yeah like this you go on, Fred. Like you totally do your mystery. Like we're gonna do our part, and then yes. they're like, "No, fuck that. Like we're not." And I've talked about this before, but I think that what this show does with Daphne as a character is the best possible, like, platonic ideal of what you of making her a character without, like bending over backwards to to try to prove that she is uh like dimensioned you know what i mean like okay so like mm-hmm. if you compare this this version of the character to like the early 2000s bit where they're like okay she can't be a damsel in dis- distress anymore right so mm-hmm. we have to make her we have to get some some girl power going here so she's going to be like She's gonna like inexplicably know martial arts and stuff like that, right? Yeah, <laughs> and things like that, which is, in my opinion, a very shallow look at empowerment. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want, and again, I don't want to. I could, I could be wrong. I mean, it's definitely better than how it was before, but I think that uh, that in comparison, this mm-hmm. is a much more a much more interesting look at this character, where she is still feminine and she is still you know um this this rich teenage girl but that doesn't mean that she can't be an interesting character to follow and can't have emotions and and depth right um yes i completely agree good i was i was worried that i wouldn't be uh be mansplaining daphne to you (laughs) No, no. And I just, like, even from this, this one episode, like, I did get that sense that there was depth to her character, but they weren't relinquishing that that part of her that is very feminine and, and embraces that that feminine side of her, um, yeah. which I really appreciated because I do feel like, again, like you said, like, and sometimes in the attempt to, like, girl power up a character, they kind of throw that aside. And yeah. so I, I did like that, that there, that they were showing like yes you can be you know hashtag girl power but also like you can get pedicures with your bestie and like exactly yeah you know want to talk about boys 
which it, it is just a great bit where she's explaining to, to Velma that, you know, boys are stupid and if you give them a, a, yeah. a choice, they'll always take the, the dumb choice, which is why you simply can't give them a choice. <laughs> and it's true. Like, and I, yeah. I, I appreciate that we, like, watching this now as someone in their 20s, I think if I'd seen that when I was, I guess I would have been like 13 at the time, like, it would have been yeah. true. But I don't think it would have been as funny now, like, that I'm able to reflect and be like, oh, yeah, like, it, it yeah. is true. Like, in high school, like, if boys are given two options, like, they will choose the stupid one. Yeah, yeah. It's been, Even yeah, and now you in could, their 20s, they do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can tell that she is, um, <laughs> this is coming from a place of experience based on, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> what little we've seen of Fred already in this episode, right? Like, he, like she's, uh, she's really been worn down and had to learn how to adapt i would say <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah it's a great it's a great sequence and again just one that you would never see in another uh iteration i mean the concept of them of any other scooby-doo show spending an entire scene with just daphne and velma <laughs> and you know <laughs> it would just be just never happen um while while they're getting their pedicures going they uh they have to skip out on their massage because they see daphne's mom don a cape and escape into the nighttime mm-hmm. she said she says that she's going out for pate but is but uh astute daphne notes <laughs> that she is duck intolerant yes <laughs> um which is great uh we get to see fred and fred and the boys are uh their investigation's coming up a little short because they're just going to places they think a vampire might be. Uh, we mm-hmm. get the great um, blood bank joke, which is always funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody coming back from a blood bank covered in, in red liquid. It's always funny. Gets me to laugh every time. Um, and then we get to see their version of, uh, of talking through relationship drama, uh, <laughs> which is really funny because... It's two extremely clueless people trying to have a conversation about something that neither of them knows a lot about. Um, mm. The Velma trap line, it's just very funny. Made me laugh. Uh, which is Fred's <laughs> advice. Because he, again, he's so clueless, he just does not know. Uh, he, I mean, he, he at least has romantic intentions, as opposed yeah. to Shaggy, but he just does not know how to communicate them in a way that would be uh appealing <laughs> yes um but this is where they meet back up because we hear a scream coming from the botanical gardens where uh mm-hmm. velma and daphne have followed daphne's mom who as velma says um she's a freak she's the fastest mom alive <laughs> When juxtaposed with the fact that, like, there's, I, I don't know why this made me laugh, but, like, there was that maybe, like, two-second clip where they, like, run across to the botanical gardens and they yeah. move, like, very, very quickly. Yes. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I just found it hilarious. Yeah, it is. It's funny. Um, at the botanical gardens, uh, Fred's making a trap without realizing mm-hmm. that the girls are there, too, uh, which inevitably goes wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, the girls get trapped up in a net, and um, 
let's see. Yeah, they, that's they get trapped up in a net, and uh, uh, that's when the vampire shows up. Mm-hmm. Bad timing. Yeah, I wanted to ask, what do you think about the art style of this show? Because like this show, this episode in particular, like sticks in my mind whenever I think about how the show looks. The way they have painted the night sky and everything, and like the 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 just the backgrounds in general are so beautiful in, in this show it is it's crazy it it, it really leaves a, a lasting impact on you i think it does and i i have to say like i was kind of skeptical at first because again i i'm kind of a traditionalist and so yeah. my first impression was like oh i don't know if i'm gonna like this um but then it, it grew on me and i i really enjoyed it um and i again i don't know if this has more to do with like the serial aspect but i loved that we kind of we're, we're in different locations and how rich yeah. each of the locations was um, yeah. and even like they, you said like the night sky was just it was just stunning and i i like kind of grew accustomed to it and then by the end of the episode i was like oh i'm i'm totally into this yeah i mean they're building out this town which is where Basically, the whole show takes place. This one is a very mm. sedentary uh, uh, take on Scooby-Doo as opposed to kind of your more typical thing of them traveling the world in the mystery machine and, like, you know, yeah. stumbling across a new place with a new monster every time. Uh, and and they build out different characters who live in the town and stuff like that, you know, the parents and the sheriff and all of this. Um, they, uh... Yeah, so like the vampire shows up at the at the botanical garden. Um, everybody gets split up, which is becoming kind of a motif in the episode of of them getting divided everywhere they go. And uh, and for a second there, it looked like the vampire was going to bite Shaggy, which uh, yes, I couldn't re- like. I've obviously seen this a couple times before, but I I, I couldn't remember if that was going to be a a, a new angle. I was like, uh oh, that looks that looks like. <laughs> It could be a thing, <laughs> but it doesn't. They uh, they they scare the vampire away, and they've discovered that the vampire has stolen a uh, a new item, which is the star orchid, the uh, the centerpiece of the botanical gardens. Um, and as Fred asks, what would a vampire want with a painting and an orchid? A valid question. Yeah. The valid question that we will have to get the answer from in a second, because it's time to take a little break and play a little game. It's trap time. You trapped me at hello. Did you say traps? You can't trap an omelet without breaking a few eggs. I stopped paying attention after he said traps. Okay, I'm excited. I am excited too. I <laughs> This game is called Scooby or Not Scooby. And... Uh, <laughs> It changes every week, uh, and I've tailor-made this one for you, so I can't wait until you, you, oh, uh, you hear what it is. So Can the we way get that... to disclose to your, to your listeners that we've known each other since high school? Yeah, yeah, that, that is, that's okay. a good point. We've <laughs> known each other since high school. <laughs> so I knew, I, I, I knew very specifically what would, um, how, what would get you excited about this game. <laughs> so the way it works... Uh, is every week I get a collection of titles, um, some of which will be episodes of Scooby-Doo, 
and some of which will be something else. And the theme this week, Lizzie, is, is it an episode of Scooby-Doo, or is it a paranormal romance novel? <laughs> okay, I, I'm ready. I mean, you've done your research without knowing it, right? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Okay. The Accidental Werewolf. Scooby-Doo. This is a novel by Dakota Cassidy. No way! It is. I've got, I've got synopses for everything. So, it says, When Marty Andrews gets bitten by a mangy mutt while walking her teacup poodle, her blonde hair darkens, the hair on her legs starts growing at an alarming rate, and her mood swings put her dream job as a sales rep for the Bobby Sue Cosmetics in serious jeopardy. Would you read that one? I think I need a little more context for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's fine. We got some more to go. You got plenty of time. I feel like that should be yourself. a Scooby-Doo episode name, though. It does sound like one, doesn't it? Or is there, there's some accidental something, though, right? There is like, a movie where, yeah, where Shaggy turns into like a werewolf. Yeah. It's a uh, Scooby-Doo okay. and the reluctant werewolf, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. See, I, I was, knew I was onto something. I was being sneaky. I will admit that. You were. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's one of eight titles. So you got plenty of time to okay. read it yourself here. Okay. To all the ghouls I've loved before. That's a paranormal romance novel, obviously. Uh, it very well could be, but it is also the first episode of The 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Okay. It is, yes. I'm over two on this. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, how about Diamonds Are a Ghoul's Best Friend? Scooby-Doo. That's a Scooby-Doo, yes. Okay. That is uh, an episode um, of What's New Scooby-Doo, and the diamonds in question are located in the uh, Hockey Cup, because this is a hockey episode that takes place in, in Russia. Uh Nice girls, yeah, there you go. Nice girls don't have fangs. I think that's not catchy enough to be Scooby-Doo. I think it's got to be a paranormal romance. This is a paranormal romance. This is by Jane Jameson. When children's librarian and self-professed nice girl, Jane Jameson, wow, she wrote herself into the the book, (laughs) is... Fired by her beastly boss and handed $25 in potato skins instead of a severance check, she goes on a bender that's sure to become half-moon hollow legend. On her way home, she's mistaken for a deer, shot, and left for dead. And thanks to the mysterious stranger she met while chugging neon-colored cocktails, she wakes up with a decidedly unladylike thirst for blood. Wow. Yeah, yeah. A little bit dark. Yeah. Nightmare hey. in Red. Nightmare in Red. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Scooby-Doo. This is a Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah. when, the, when the freak of Crystal Cove appears in Scooby's Nightmares, the gang have to investigate what's going on. That's a Mystery Incorporated episode. Oh, okay. The Wedding Witch of Wainsley Hall. I think there's too much alliteration for that to be Scooby-Doo. That's got to be a romance novel. 
This is a Scooby-Doo episode. No way! (laughs) The gang solves a mystery about a ghost witch with comedian Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay, you got two left. How am I doing? Are you getting towards? It looks like you've gotten uh, one, two correct. Um, oh no! <laughs> that's six. So, if you get the next I've two right, lost. you can you can at least go for fifty fifty. Oh, there's so much pressure. Okay. Who was that cat creature I saw you with last night? Scooby Doo. <laughs> yes. This is um, This episode actually had to be retitled for uh, home releases because. I guess somebody at some point felt that it was um, too risque for a Scooby-Doo title. Uh, while visiting Daphne's Aunt Olivia, who lives in York Towers, a thieving cat creature robs jewelry stores at night. Aunt Olivia becomes suspected of being the, the creature, transformed by a glowing medallion in her possession. Is that the retitled name? or is, is No, that's the, sorry, that's the, uh, no, uh, who was that, the cat creature I saw you with last night, I think was the original title, and then they. Oh, is that considered ris- risque? I guess it alludes to, um, being out and about with, uh, a woman, but it being a cat creature. Oh. I'm not sure. It is. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, you know, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, last one. If you get this one right, you got 50-50. Okay. Very, very, quite contrary. I I thought probably it was Scooby-Doo, right? This is a paranormal romance novel. No! By Ellie Arden. Um, I, instead of a synopsis, I just have the, uh, the, what's written on the back of the book. So I'm going to read it to you. For those of you just joining us, the king is dead, and I'm basically queen. I say basically because there's still the pesky little matter of me needing to be crowned and then merged with the magic of Fae. No big deal, right? Wrong. There's just one problem. The Unsealia are in control of the capital, and I have to be crowned inside the palace, so basically we're utterly screwed. A Fairy Awesome series is a fantasy reverse harem in which Elle collects men slash fairies as the series progresses. Warning. Language, violence, and adult situations. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess I need to brush up on both my Scooby-Doo and my paranormal romance reading. Well, only if you'll ever be in the uh, the exact uh, predicament of having to tell the difference between the two ever again. <laughs> well, I, you know, if you ever have me back, then I'm going to be ready for this. That's true. That's true. That could happen. Um. Ya viene Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. So we're back to the episode. Yeah. That was a fun diversion. That but, was. Uh, I'm, I, my pride is a little bit hurt that I, I lost, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. okay Believe Holly. me, um, plenty of you guests very challenging. have problems with the You game. would be a great Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> just the treachery that you put me through. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, in, in many ways, that's what, I've been, uh, that's what I've been working towards my entire life. It. I think you would be an excellent Scooby-Doo villain. I just, my you only problem is... in the nicest way. Oh, of course. It's only a compliment. Um, 
my my only issue is that I'm not very good at sewing, so I would have some difficulty making a costume. Uh, you could outsource yeah. that, though. You could you could hire someone to do that for you. That's true. That's true. Get a good you know? intern. Yeah, a great intern would would be able to figure that out for you instantly. Yeah, without question. Um, yeah. So. Already, I know that you had to be just absolutely enchanted by the next location, which is Velma's mom's paranormal bookstore coffee shop. Yes. Known as the Broken Spine. Love that. It's just so good. So good. Like, I've, I've never wanted to be in a place more than I, I do whenever I saw this. Just incredible. Um... And that's another ongoing runner is that uh, Velma's parents uh, are very into the the paranormal and believe in in all these ghosts and everything, and she naturally is a skeptic. Um, uh, so that's that's just fun. Um, so the gang gets down to the to the bookstore, and they're going to do some investigating into what uh, what the vampire could be interested in, in with these. Mm-hmm. Seemingly random items. And I just love so much in any detective story the scene where they go to the library. There's just something so mm-hmm. like like tactile about seeing them with like like piles of books that they've been pouring over and everything. There's just something mm-hmm. I don't know, it's so romantic about it that that like touches my soul. <laughs> um, it, I agree. It's very like it's almost kind of pulls it i mean you and i aren't boomers but i feel like it's kind of like that boomer mentality of like yeah oh no one goes to the library and like would just gather a pile of books to do research anymore <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah like it's, it's ruined by by what it has taken its place of you know just just going onto a a onto a macbook and going to a website that's not google you know like yeah. whatever whatever the fake name that the the they could come up with <laughs> like websearch.org or whatever and, and like just typing <laughs> vampires in. <laughs> which to it be fair does have yeah to be fair uh uh bella swan does google vampires and that is an iconic great moment so yeah i guess i guess i'm a bit of a hypocrite if i like both things but <laughs> I can have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> um, um, Daphne notices a mysterious shadow in the uh, <laughs> in the back of the bookstore and goes to investigate. Where uh, this this pesky book just keeps coming off the shelf. I know. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> I do. It, they, it happens all the time. Books just go flying everywhere, and they never want to stay where they're put. Yeah, so annoying. So this is an, another part of the um, the uh, overarching story of Mystery Inc. is that there's this this uh, mysterious figure out there named Mister E, and he uh, he for some reason is very interested in in Mystery Incorporated and what they're doing, and is encouraging them to to continue on their. Uh, in their investigations, often offering help where, where it comes in handy. Um, and it come in handy it does, where she uh, she opens this, this physics book, and inside is, in fact, a copy of Celebrity Weekly Halloween Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, I all aspire to be in Celebrity Weekly Halloween edition. Oh, I mean, I think that's when you know you've made it. Yes, exactly. I mean, that would be the that that would be the if you were the on the that cover is, yeah. of that. Incredible. Better than Vogue, honestly. Yeah, better than Teen Vogue, even. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, inside the magazine, they find a what what surely must be what the vampire is after, which is a recipe for Countess Hagula's youth juice. Youth juice. Youth juice is a. A gross sounding phrase. <laughs> I don't like it. I think you you hang the word juice onto the end of anything, and it's it's just immediately kind of gross. It's true. Yeah, it's, it is. It is just one of those things, without a doubt. Um, the ingredients for this are very specific. Um, specific, and they, they seem like they might actually make you become hospitalized. Like, they don't seem particularly yeah. safe to consume. It seems very harmful, um, <laughs> because the ingredients are a specific pigment that is used in the spooky painting, uh, the pollen from the star orchid, which, you know, pollen may be edible, pigment we're getting yeah. into some... Uh, a little, that's like, that might be a, a call to the poison control center. Yeah, yeah. You know, that next ingredient is is a rare vintage wine. We know that's fine to consume. Um, but then the last one is a, a uh, <laughs> rare ruby called the Devil's Eye. Um, and you know, like I am not, and I'm not at all, and uh, you know, not in, at all involved with the Food and Drug Administration. But something about mm-hmm. Consuming rubies just seems bad. Yeah, seems like it would be hazardous to your health. Well, it's a cursed ruby, isn't it? It is. It's true. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, like, the proximity of the ruby, like maybe some of the curse, like if you boil the ruby, like the curse kind of disseminates from the surface of the jewel, and that you know that's what gives it the magic to give you eternal youth. That's a great point. You know, right? Like I'm not thinking you're consuming the actual gemstone. I'm thinking there's there's some quality of the curse, right? That that it's giving you the magic uh, of, yeah. of eternal youth. <laughs> That's a good. I mean, I, I I should have deferred to you. I know you're a curse expert, of course. <laughs> yes, I am. Um. So I yeah. Call mistake though. <laughs> Call you. I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you're. I I heard that you are a. Constructing your own uh, youth juice recipe, right? Yes. Well, I'm not currently at liberty to uh, confirm or deny this, uh, but you know, if I were, uh, it, yeah, you know, you don't want you don't want to, you don't want to disclose, uh, uh, you know. I couldn't disclose it, but if I could, I would say that if if there were precious gemstones involved, it wouldn't involve consuming the actual gemstone. It, it would involve a very complicated process of extracting uh, some minerals from the gemstone. Of course, it's sim- you know, yeah. all hypothetical. I simply should have considered that, and I would like to uh, admit a formal retraction on behalf of the podcast that uh, uh, I was wrong. Well, I appreciate it. Of course, perfect. Um, so. Uh, next up, they, they, I mean, 
they they've they've got it now, right? They've got the the roadmap for what the vampire yeah. is doing, so they can head him off at the pass by going to the location of the next ingredient on the list, which is this vintage wine, and the uh, the most likely location for that would be at the wine cellar in the crab net of Doctor Caligari. <laughs> Calamari. Calamari, yes, of course, my bad. <laughs> Just, which is, is so good. <laughs> so good. I what? loved it because my immediate thought was like Joe's Crab Shack. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't want to spoil it, but you go and it's this. It's a little fancy. Michelin, like this Michelin starred restaurant almost. Yeah, I mean, well, as, as Daphne says, they have to dress the part or else they won't be admitted in. So they have to go home yeah. and get into costume. Um, and they dressed the part. They, oh, they, oh, they did. showed they, up and they, yeah, they delivered. They delivered indeed because they arrive at the, um, they arrive at the restaurant and everybody is dressed as a Frenchman. Yeah. Complete with the striped shirt and the, the beret and the baguette and Velma's even got a little mustache on, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they did their part for sure. They understood the assignment. Perfectly put. Perfectly put. Um, so much so that that uh, Fred and, and Shaggy are going to do some French accents for us. Mm-hmm. Which are very, very believable. <laughs> very believable French accent. Yes, completely. <laughs> um, uh, Freddy explains that they have a. a Reservation, but they need to go to the wine cellar and the major D, of course, questions that. Uh, but they've got a they've got a ringer, which is uh, they just need to use the bathroom. Wee wee, wee wee, indeed. I mean, they 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 <laughs> make it very clear of what needs to happen here. Yeah. Uh, but they're not the only people at this restaurant. Hmm. Daphne's mom oh. is here too, and she's dining out with her her friend Sheila. Yes, her lady friend. Her lady friend, indeed. Yes, uh, Mister Mister Blake is in the picture. They are married, but you know, I mean, he, he's he's not around this episode. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, just food for thought for sure. L- literal food for thought. Um. They make it into the uh, into the wine cellar, and I mean, just the 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 fabric of the team is falling apart at the seams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, Fred Fred tries to split them up again, and and Velma and Shaggy both protest about being being put together. Um, Velma simply doesn't want to go with Shaggy, and Shaggy just is tired of of being told. Uh, he's an idiot by Velma. Fed up with it. Then, then Daphne's having problems of her own because now she's doubting that maybe her, uh, her, her mother might actually be the vampire, and Fred's not making that <laughs> that realization go down any easier by repeating that they're going to have to bust and arrest her mother. Uh, so it just is all around not a not a great time. So, a lot of tension. A lot of tension. Something I, I've just thought of that is interesting is uh, Scooby-Doo 
the character. <laughs> the titular yeah. role. Uh, barely in this episode. <laughs> Re- really Quite true. Does, yeah, really does not have a lot of lines or business or anything to do. Um, which is interesting to think about. It is. The only thing that I can really recall about Scooby-Doo's presence in this episode is, is when he spoke. I was, it was odd to me. Well, it's probably the, because it's a different voice actor, but like it, it was just, yeah, like now that I'm thinking about it, like the, the titular character is noticeably absent from this episode. It is controversial um, of Scooby's portrayal in the show is controversial because he uh, does not speak with this with uh, well he speaks with a speech impediment and that he sounds like Scooby Doo but he does not have the uh, <laughs> he does not have the uh, R issue that he usually does of starting every word mm-hmm. with R's and then also uh, you know speaks in complete sentences with subjects and predicates and things. <laughs> um, uh, very, yes, that's exactly it. It's very articulate. But also has the ridiculous Scooby Doo voice, so it's just it's it's funny. It's funny whenever he speaks to me; it makes me laugh every time. Because he has, uh, he has, so he often has interesting things to say. But he, he's just a talking dog who sounds like Scooby Doo. So it, it, it's a it's an interesting uh, dichotomy there for sure. Um, in the uh, in the wine cellar of the crab net of Doctor Calamari, they. Bump into the vampire once again. Uh, they have a chase scene that ends in Fred accidentally locking all of them in a cage. Typical Fred. That happens to the best of us, really. <laughs> um, this is, uh, and you know, that's a that's a cut to commercial. The 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 vampire is uh, is she's only got one thing left. And the gang are—they're uh, just simply off their game, you know. They've really, they've really, uh, kind of lost the plot, lost the thread of what they've they've got going on here. Um, they, uh, they, there's only one item left on the list, though. Mm-hmm. Is the Devil's Eye Ruby, as you said, a cursed gem? which is on display at the Oddities Museum at Dare University. So that's going to be our final location for the episode. Um, another fun location with lots of weird-looking stuffed monsters and stuff. Always cool to see that kind of thing. Um, I ever... loved that. I know it wasn't like a main plot point, but I just I was watching that whole kind of introductory sequence and i was like oh my gosh like i would totally love to visit this museum oh yeah completely you know like i've been to ripley's believe it or not right and it just is not yeah. does not scratch that itch there's not enough there's not a, a stuffed merman or whatever you know like i need mm-hmm. i want the i want the weird stuff give me the weird stuff yeah um i agree have you ever seen the are you an x-files person lizzie I 100% am. Perfect, perfect. I, I mean, I, that does not surprise me at all. If it wasn't, it's going to be like, <laughs> what are you doing? Get on that immediately. <laughs> um, but uh, I think my favorite episode of The X-Files takes place at a place like this where um, the, the the question at hand is whether or not the Fiji mermaid is real, like a famous, uh, a famous <laughs> hoax of, uh, of 
a fake monster that's been stuffed and just is great. So I love anything like this for sure. Um, yeah, so they, they're setting up a trap. Um, Fred is in his element, of course. They, uh, but uh, their, their, their mojo gets thrown off once again when Daphne sees her mother at this university. She's convinced it's looking now. quite suspicious, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. She's, again, power walking through these halls. Yeah, a woman on a mission. And, uh, and, and Daphne's now, I mean, this is the last straw. She's convinced that this vampire is her mother. Um, the vampire shows up, and the trap, of course, goes awry because Daphne wasn't in her place to, to make everything go right. Um, Shaggy and Scooby get tangled up in a net. It just is a big problem. The, of course. Daphne's, like, ignoring everything else that's going on. It's just speaking directly to the vampire, like, like addressing her as her mother, telling her to, to, to cut it out. Um, and uh, Velma gets a action movie line here where uh, the, the vampire picks up the, the ruby. Uh, I don't think so, ghoul friend. Loved that. I loved that. <laughs> Perfect. I was... Uh, that could, I mean, that... That can go either way. For sure. Uh, I'm, glad that you, I'm glad that you liked it. Um, glad that Velma had the time to... find or develop a, a decoy ruby to, to uh, trick mm-hmm. the... The, the vampire again we love that and she has uh foresight in that regard mm-hmm. i mean she's she's always thinking that's her thing she's she she's is. she's very very on top of it um skibby manages to chew through a rope that drops a net on the on the vampire so they've got her they've got her in their net uh daphne completely over it now has decided that her mother's vampire antics are uh, are driving her family apart, so she's going to drive a stake through this uh, <laughs> through her mother's <laughs> which I loved so much. It was very funny. Um, and we get a first here. In in the mm. uh, interest of of protecting her own life, the vampire unmasks herself, which is the first time that has ever happened in the history of Scooby Doo of the. Uh, the monster taking off their own ever ass. really ever. ever okay i i love that that ever because i feel like this episode i kind of got the the feeling that they, it was really really playing with a lot of the pre-existing scooby-doo tropes i guess yeah um and i i i just love that that it's, that's part of that i mean that's really par for the course for this whole show i mean they they deconstruct pretty much everything um but uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, you just you get a moment like that basically every episode, um, which is always fun. Uh, and it's part of what makes Mystery Incorporated really, really sing. But yes, yeah, so she unmasks herself. It is not Daphne's mother. Mm-hmm. It's in fact, as you put it, her lady friend, her lady Sheila. Friend. Sheila. Um, so, I, I I need your perspective on this. On 
Sheila's motivation here, which of course is to pursue eternal life because she is jealous that Daphne's Blake is a woman of her age and still has such fantastic skin. Right? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this uh, this characterization here? You know, I I liked it. I think that you could come at it in a couple different ways. Um, like just the surface level, like even as a setup for like the the punchline where the kids are like, "Oh no, you look great for your age," was hilarious. Um, you could also that, take well, it and like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to interrupt you, but there was a, a, a throwaway line in there that I thought was truly hysterical, where they they're like, "Oh no, you look great," or whatever, and then Fred says, "Your skin is as tight as my ascot." I loved that. Oh my gosh. That I yes, I, I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it, but that was hilarious. Yeah, sorry, please continue. Well yeah, so I, I think that there's like that surface level kind of you can take it as it is. You could also go the deeper route of like, you know, the the effect that our our standards of beauty have on women as they age. Um but I I I didn't hate it. Like I I I bought it. I wasn't mad at it. Um, Good. Yeah. Good. I, I kind of loved the implication that this you know like fully adult woman was completely on board uh, with developing a, a youth juice from this yes. old magazine. Like I I totally appreciated that. Um, yeah. I mean that's the perfect I, I kind it. of that's the perfect kind of silly element to this sort of thing right yeah. like it's it's great yeah i love it too um um and you know it's got to be hard hanging out with uh, with such a, a a a beautiful modern powerful woman as uh, as as mm-hmm. mrs blake you know i mean that's that must wear on you over time um we learned that the uh the method with which um Sheila is able to fly is a was a long time coming because yes. she double majored in college in zoology and acrobatics, studying the movement of flying squirrels. And then by sharpening her quad and glute muscles, she was able to propel herself through the sky. Which is just so silly. <laughs> Um, and, and goofy, and I, I kind of loved it. I, I loved it a lot. I thought it was very, very intelligent of her, very scrappy of her. Exactly. By the way, speaking of scrappy, does Scrappy do exist in this iteration of Scooby Doo? You know, he does not. Uh, uh, That's Scra- a shame. Scrappy has simply been um, put on the verboten list. I think they sim- they just okay. He, he is who he who must not be named for Scooby Doo at this point. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I do think I think we're a few years away from them doing something with Scrappy again, because <laughs> just you can't you can't not you know he's he's such an enticing figure. He is. Um, but also, if you know the ending of the live action Scooby Doo movie is the last we ever see of Scrappy Doo, then <laughs> that's as good a way to go out as I could possibly think of. I I agree. Um, Daphne's mother shows up and explains that uh, the reason she's been sneaking around this whole time is she's been taking night classes to get her notary license. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we love that for her. Uh, you know, 
a, a wealthy woman who can have anything that she, that she wants doesn't mean that she can't pursue new things, of course. Of course, and I love that she wants to be a public servant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, work for our, our court. She might, she might, um, she might need to hit the books a little bit more because she does have her final exam the next day. Does not yet know what a notary is, but uh, she'll get there. You know, I feel like don't we all have that moment in college? Though I mean, you haven't graduated yet. I graduated a year ago, but I I feel like I have definitely had those moments where I'm like I I'm taking a test tomorrow for a class that I I really couldn't tell you like what it's about. Yeah. I mean, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. I think that's a, a completely valid, you know, moment for, for Mrs. Blake to be having. You figure it out with that question. And, like, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's being a notary. How complicated can it be? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the that's the wrap-up of the mystery. But the uh, there's still a little bit more time to spend with the characters who yes. don't know that they want to come back next week and solve another mystery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we have this kind of striking moment at the end of this episode where all four members of the gang leave on their own. Hello. Yes. Yes. And, this was, uh, this was uh, very difficult to watch. Yeah. Very it's, earnestly. I'm not, I'm not just being facetious yeah, here. Like, exactly. I, I was like, what the, what the hell is going on right now? It's very compelling. It's not something that you would expect to see. You expect it to end with, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would have gotten away with it if not for you battling kids, and then Scooby says Scooby Dooby Doo, and that's and, and we're out. But uh, yeah. no, show won't won't give you that that much closure. You gotta there. There's a greater story to be told here, um, especially because as they're leaving, someone is watching them from afar. Yes, yes, and this was the moment where I was like. I was watching it late at night. I'm like, can I watch another episode? Like, do dare I continue with this at half midnight? Like, I I was extremely extremely compelled by this ending. I mean, obviously the whole episode was wonderful for me. I I loved so many elements of it, but then it kind of sucker punch you with this this end, which I assume is more meaningful if you've watched the build up in the the previous episodes. But I, I'm hooked. I mean, yeah, it's it's very compelling, I would say. Um, do you have any any stray or final thoughts on the episode before we get into uh, ranking in the game here? You know, I, I just really, across the board, I mean, I appreciated this as, like, a Scooby-Doo fan, yeah. but then also as, as someone who, so I majored in, in uh, journalism and radio, television, and film. Um, and so I appreciate some of the like more minute elements and I really, really loved how meta it was. Like I, I, the, one of my favorite moments, uh, is in the library where Daphne like literally breaks that fourth wall. Um, that was just like fantastic to me. I just loved it. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm glad that you gave me the option to watch this episode and I'm glad, I'm glad my intuition, uh, led me to choose it for us to discuss it on this uh, episode of your podcast. I just, uh, it, it was wonderful. I loved it. For sure. I hope that the, I hope it lived up to the potential of there's a, there's a vampire stealing artwork and we don't know why. <laughs> it did. I, that was what drew me in. I was like, Oh yeah. A vampire stealing artwork. Fantastic. And then there, it, 
I did not expect the depth uh, that, that I was given. And, and I'm just, I'm a fan. Like I've always been a fan of Scooby-Doo, but I think that this has uh, fully uh, made me a fan of Mystery Incorporated. I'm very happy to hear. I mean, I really cannot sing the praises of Mystery Incorporated enough. Uh, really just a, a very special show to me and to anyone who uh, loves Scooby-Doo. Um, we will get the chance to rank this on our tier list, but first, Lizzie, it's time for another game. Okay. And <laughs> you can redeem yourself on this one. Okay. This, this game is called Jinkies or Stinkies. And, uh, the the way this game works is each week I find six stories or facts related to the topic in the episode. And some of those stories will be true, which are jinkies, and some will be ones that I made up, which are stinkies. It's up to you okay. to tell the difference between the two. Um, okay. So, the topic I chose for this one is uh, is... The, the quest for uh, youthening yourself either through beauty or <laughs> magic or science. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, just like pseudoscience and the uh, and, and, and obscure beauty uh, treatments throughout history. Okay? So here we go. The search for the supposed fountain of youth has been an obsession of those with an adventurous spirit ever since Ponce de Leon claimed to have discovered it in a swamp in Florida. In the early 19th century, a group of Virginia pioneers traveled to the newly acquired Florida Territory with a plan to found their own settlement and hopefully find the Fountain of Youth. After weeks of searching for the perfect spot, they believed they had found it. We know from the diary belonging to one of them, Thomas Danvers, that they found a watering hole that would bubble up and appear to glow. Over time, they all got sick, and a few died. Decidedly, not the intended, effect, the intended effect of a fountain of youth. It is believed that they had mistaken a sulfuric spring for a magical fount of legend. That's got to be stinky. You are correct. That is a stinky. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you're good. Let's keep going. we got five left. English nobles in the 16th century used lead makeup to lighten their skin, as pale complexion was proof of nobility, as you weren't subjected to sun exposure like the common laborer. Even Queen Elizabeth I got in on the act, but eventually the practice was deemed unsafe due to its caustic long-term effects on the skin. The solution? Replace lead makeup with arsenic pills. <laughs> arsenic complexion wafers were sold in the 19th century and were said to remove freckles, pimples, and any other blemishes you could hope for. Once you started using them, however, you couldn't stop, as quitting would cause your skin to break out ten times as bad. Of course, taking too much could result in poisoning or death, so it was a fine line. Is that a jinky or stinky? That's a, that's a jinky. People that in the 19th century, they would literally, like, your doctor, you would go to your doctor and you'd say, I have a cough, and they'd say, great, do a line of cocaine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, completely. They really... They were just going with it. <laughs> um, all right. You're at 100% so far. Okay. This is exciting. Great. Dental hygiene is a paramount aspect of appearing presentable in public, and while it may seem like a more modern invention, toothpaste and mouthwash date back centuries, all the way to the Roman Empire. 
Pliny or Pl- is it Pliny the Elder? Pliny the Elder? Do you know Pliny? Oh, the Elder? I have no idea. Pliny the Elder recommended a tincture of burnt ashes and ground-up horse hooves, for instance. But the more common and bizarre option for the whitening of teeth was ammonia mouthwash made from sterilized urine. But not just any urine. The Romans preferred to use urine from Portuguese people, as it was for whatever reason considered to be the most potent in the world. I feel like this has to be stinky, because I'm not sure if if we were quite at this level of of scientific advancement. And also... Forgive me if this sounds completely stupid, but I don't think Portugal existed during the Roman Empire. Did it? This is certainly stinky, but it is true. It <laughs> um, is? Yes, it's true. Oh uh, my it's, gosh. This is late into <laughs> Have I just the, made myself the, sound like an idiot? It's late into the history of the Roman Empire, and okay. um, it's possible that the, the the source that I got this from referred to them as Portuguese people, but it could just be people from the region that would become Portugal. I'm not okay. sure. But either way, it was people from the Iberian Peninsula. Their okay. urine was the best for teeth whitening. Well, aren't you glad that, that that's not the case anymore? I mean, I mean, it could be. We would never know. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm never whitening my teeth again. Yeah, I've I've never I've never looked at the ingredients on mouthwash in my life. It's well, one of those things where it's it's kind of like you know like airplanes where I like I don't really question the science behind <laughs> it. I just kind of have this blind faith that it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on, we've got some more to go. We're halfway done. You're doing okay. well. Thank you. Women aren't the only ones who have tried out unique and misguided techniques to appear physically attractive. In the frontier days, nothing was considered more embarrassing than a man without a beard. Mm. But some men, due to genetic dispositions, could not grow a beard to save their life. The solution? The Billings Wig Company would sell fake beards for a heavy price. The cheaper ones would be made of horse hair and did not look very convincing. But for a steeper price, they would tailor a fake beard to your hair color and complexion and making it of whichever animal was best suited, beavers, foxes, or in some cases, human hair purchased from barber shops. Is that a chinky or stinky? Hmm. Hmm. I... I want to say the jinky. That is a stinky. I made it up. It is? That yeah. was very convincing. Yeah, well... I mean, people did weird things back then, you know? As we've already established with arsenic pills. <laughs> That's true. All right, so let's move on to some more modern uh, examples of, of beauty treatments. Okay. The destination for pseudoscience lifestyle and beauty products these days is, of course, Gwyneth Paltrow's online storefront, Goop. A uh-huh. name she chose because someone told her that all the most successful websites had double O's in their name. Google, Yahoo, etc. You can purchase such products on Goop as jade eggs that conserve feminine energy, coffee enemas, 18 karat gold dumbbells, and coincidentally for this episode, psychic vampire repellent. They quote, unique and complex blend of sonically tuned elixirs that is intended to protect you from bad vibes. 
The most famous Goop product, of course, is the Smells Like My Vagina candle. <laughs> Not particularly smelling like anything isn't the greatest allegation against this product, as a Texas man is claiming it exploded in his home, leading him to file a lawsuit pursuing $5 million in damages. This is a jinky. This is true. <laughs> this is all true, yes. I mean, I knew, I mean, most people know everything about Goop, but I mean, I could oh, not yes. talk about Goop. It's just wonderful. I didn't Wonderful. know they sold vampire repellent, though. That's I'll have to look into that. I mean, if you if you find yourself with some bad vibes, could be some psychic vampires trying to steal your uh, steal your energy. They could be. Do you watch what we do in the shadows, Ethan? I know we're we're I'm <laughs> moving away from our topic. That's fine. I've watched the I watched the movie, but I've not seen the TV show. Okay, I think you would enjoy the TV show. It seems funny. I should get it's, into it. It's definitely up your alley. Um, but I was going to make an energy vampire joke. Anyways, little, a little uh, recommendation for everyone listening. What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. Perfect. Ethan, Perfect. I think you would especially like it. It's definitely like your brand of comedy. All right, then I will, I'll, I'll check it out for sure. Uh, one left. Okay. Oh, okay. Again, I believe you are in the positive. You've gotten three out of five right. So okay. Pretty good. Better than last time. <laughs> the single out Gwyneth Paltrow seems almost cruel, as bizarre and borderline unethical beauty treatments are not unique in the celebrity world. Victoria Beckham robes a lotion made of cow placentas into her skin once a week. Grimes showers with diluted bat blood instead of sh shampoo. Kim Cattrall, on the other hand, only bathes once a month in a glacial river in Canada in order to freeze her skin in youthful beauty. Haley Bieber swears by a procedure that intentionally subjects your skin to wasp stings, whereas Natalie Dormer believes leeches to be the better succubus. But perhaps the strangest of them all, in my opinion, is Halle Berry, whose impossibly youth youthful complexion could be the result of an experimental procedure that injects puppy dog foreskin into your face. Is hmm. that a jinky or stinky? I don't know. It's kind of hard. I'm going to have to say... Probably a stinky. That is a stinky. Yeah. Wow. Um, that was that was probably the hardest out of all of them. <laughs> well, you say that. I know you're making fun of me, but <laughs> I was I was collecting a a list of uh, of real ones for this, but then I decided to be more fun to come up with my own uh, fake things that people did. Uh, but Sandra Bullock has genuinely said in public on TV that she has a procedure that injects baby foreskin into her face. Like human baby foreskin. Excuse me? Yes. Is that an yeah. ethical procedure? Like, can you... It's, it's the leftovers from, uh, I guess, circumcisions. Huh. Yeah. All right. I mean, ethical procedure, that's up to you to decide, but it's one that she's able to do. <laughs> um... But yeah, that is that that is a real thing that she has done. Wow. I'm gonna have to sit with that, I think, for a little while. I'm gonna have to process that information. I mean, it seems to be working based on her skin. She's got she's gorgeous, but then again, <laughs> like maybe she's figured out the youth juice uh, recipe. Could be. Could be. You know? And she's this she's hiding it behind this baby foreskin rumor. So this, uh, that was Jinkies or Stinkies? You did great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Did you. 
Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm I've redeemed myself from that, that horrible uh, earlier performance. Um, what's left is we have to rank this episode on our heavy metal tier list. Okay. So there are five tiers. Starting from the bottom is the rut row tier. Uh, pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. That's just the worst of the worst. Up from that is the uh, is the Scooby Dumb tier. That's for episodes we don't like, but uh, you know. They're maybe not the absolute abhorrent ones. In the middle is the just another mystery tier. That's for middle of the road episodes. They'll be, you know, don't think are bad, but don't do anything very special. Up from that is the groovy tier. That's for episodes we like a lot, but are just not quite good enough to get into the best of the best, the golden scoop tier. <laughs> so my question is, Lizzie, what are you thinking at this moment? Oh. I'm thinking, like, just given the the isolated episode and, and the lack of context, I would put it in groovy. Yeah. If if I have the full context, I would bump it up. I'm I'm thinking like like somewhere between the two. I think it's a groovy for sure. Um, it's definitely a, a, a great episode. I I liked it a lot. Obviously, it was very fun. Um, but there are some that I think ascend beyond this level. Um. So yeah. groovy is a good spot for it. I think definitely groovy. I, I, you, I might have to have some more convincing to put... Well, I think the episode itself would yeah. just be groovy, actually. I changed my mind. Just groovy. Just groovy. So we made it to the end of the episode, Lizzie. Do you have anything that you would like to plug for the people? Um, <laughs> sure. So <laughs> you can find me uh, on reluctantly on tiktok uh at i changed my username this morning it's at literature with lizzie you can find uh book related content um i often parade around as, as somewhat of a scooby-doo villain um, <laughs> i might have to start posting some scooby-doo content on there I you can find you can me on up. twitter too but i that's like just me as a person <laughs> um ethan can vouch you followed me on twitter for for years and years and years now sure um sure uh, unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) uh and instagram uh, as well at literature with lizzie um yeah more book content over there too it's not nearly as fun and interesting as this podcast i don't know about that but, uh, but thank you for coming on and doing this and taking time out of your day. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. It was, I mean, it was, it was a joy having you on. I was very happy. Hopefully I didn't that. do too badly on the games. Uh, no, if you, if you ever we, decide we, you want my opinion again, I, I would be happy to come back and I'll, I'll brush up on my Scooby-Doo knowledge. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to do that at some point. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me. Yeah, <laughs> um, thanks for having me. This, I would rank this experience, this podcast episode, as a golden scoop. Oh, wow. Wow. That, that's high praise. Yeah. Um, if you out there are listening and would like to follow me on social media, you can do so at TheRealBrundine on Twitter. You can follow the show at HeavyMetalPod. That's also on Twitter. Um, if you liked this show, uh, tell a friend about it. Word of mouth is the best way to spread these sorts of things that fall into uh, very niche audiences. <laughs> um, uh, it is a weekly show each week 
I, I will always be here. The guest chair will change. And we discuss a different episode of any series of Scooby-Doo each week. Um, so if you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe and, and listen to more. Um, I just have to thank Lizzie one more time for joining me this week and for all of you for listening to this whole episode. And to all of you meddling kids out there, remember to stay greedy. Hehehehe <laughs>